the ambition is to talk to each other rather than to talk about each other. Psychological Safety at Work, a season of podcasts from Talking Leaders. Hello, Paul Gisby here. For over a decade, I enjoyed the privilege of working with colleagues from Sweden after a company merger. Now, my recollection is that right from the start, when I saw Swedes openly challenging leaders in public forums, in ways that my UK and US colleagues probably would never have thought of doing, it seemed to me that it was seen as important that people should expect to be able to speak up about things they felt needed discussion. Being allowed to be authentic was taken for granted in a way that I don't think previously I'd come across as a universal artefact of the workplace. I remembered all this when I was planning this current season of podcasts, and the question occurred to me, are some countries and cultures more predisposed to make a better job of psychological safety at work than others? So, question posed, I thought I should ask someone who might be able to help me answer it. Maya Markland has extensive experience as a leader in the pharmaceutical development sector. She's held senior positions in industry and at the time of recording was head of the Division of Use and Information at the Medical Products Agency, which is the Swedish drug regulatory body. She's also a former colleague and friend of mine. We started our conversation with Maya describing what psychological safety means to her. Yes, to me... It's very sort of current because I think I mentioned to you that I received a book from my current boss on on that actual topic. Yeah, The Fearless Organization by Amy Edmondson. Yes, exactly. But regardless, it to me personally, it means uh, quite a lot. I'd say what I think of when I use the term is really the state where an organization is safe to focus on the organizational goals and to, to drive work forward rather than uh, protecting their own position or you know being fearful of yeah asking the wrong questions or saying something doing something that that would not be beneficial for themselves as individuals mm. so that's the sort of state i think about when i use the term and then for me personally i think that's been more or less a cornerstone of my leadership through the years and i think that my childhood and teenage years actually are significant for how I look upon this and how I function uh, also in the workplace as an adult. My parents are both teachers and or they were teachers (laughs) and we lived in a small town with only one quite large though uh, school for grades seven through nine and then high school in sort of the same school with somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 students. Uh, So this means in that small uh, society, my teachers were often my parents' friends. I believe I felt more comfortable asking questions than many of the other, uh, my classmates. Uh, And I also often got comments from them that when I did ask questions, they were sort of grateful because they were also not understanding or did want to ask the same question. So in this way, I got sort of positive reinforcement also from the teachers who often sort of uh, welcome engaged students and uh, discussion in the classroom. And I think it was then natural for me to bring that behavior with me to my first job and then 
I continued to get uh, positive feedback on seeking clarity, uh, seeking to understand, and also being able to ask questions in a way that didn't come across as negative or threatening uh, to whomever was speaking. Mm. So uh, I've seen this as one of my strengths, and I've worked actively on achieving psychological safety in uh, my teams or groups during my work life. Mm. And uh, you said it's 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 quite a current topic. I mean, is it a is it a big topic in Sweden? I mean, certainly in the UK and in the US, in leadership circles, it's in particular uh, following the, the pandemic, it does seem to be to be red hot at the moment. Is is that true also in Sweden? I would say yes uh, on that. For, for one thing, I actually didn't mention it when we spoke earlier, but but uh, there is a, a new uh, EU regulation coming into play just in a few days, which is uh, on whistleblowing. And oh, right. yeah, and so that's uh, that that uh, EU regulation, which, which we uh, implemented in Sweden, obviously, and I presume in other EU countries as well. Uh, it mandates the whistleblowing function at, for all sort of public organizations, authorities, municipal municipal. Blah, how do you say that Munici- word? Municipalities. Yes, that's a really difficult word. <laughs> <laughs> It's difficult for English speakers, yeah, yeah. first language speakers to, to say as well, yes. Because, we, I mean, we have a lot of uh, sort of power at the municipal level in Sweden. A, a lot of say, a lot of self, uh, how do you say, a lot of, uh, yeah, authority. And, local, and, local authority. Local yeah, local government. authority, yeah. exactly, yes. So uh, that's seen as quite uh, important that that, that will uh, be implemented. And so this, this law, this is all about protecting whistleblowers, providing an environment where they feel they can speak up and they're not going to suffer any kind of retribution. Yeah, and it's very strictly regulated how how to set up those functions so they're truly anonymous and to protect the whistleblower. So so that's, uh, the, I guess, one piece that, or one piece of the puzzle that, that would bring uh, psychological uh, safety in the sort of most extreme situation, I guess, where you've sort of tried to make your voice heard uh, and, and didn't get through and want to whistleblow something. I, yeah, I also I hear a lot of discussion around psychological safety. Uh, and uh, I think maybe in Sweden, uh, we, we may have been in a little bit better position than in many other countries, because as I understand it, our job security, the, the regulation around job security has been for quite some time. Uh, stricter than in many other countries. So I'm, I guess there is an element of feeling maybe a little bit more safe. You can't be fired for, for speaking up. Right, right. And I mean, this is a speculation thing, but I, I mean, obviously, I, you know, I worked with you and I, and, and I was fortunate enough to work with, with a lot of Swedish people. I mean, do you think that, that there's something culturally about Swedes in general that that makes them... Uh, sort of keen to to you know have an environment where it's possible to to say things. I mean, certainly I remember from meetings that we 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 had when we first started working together. There was this this feeling from I think it was surprise actually on the part of the Swedes when they found that they were in in, in sort of multinational meetings that that some non Swedes some non Swedish leaders mm-hmm. seemed to want to close conversation down and that, mm-hmm. that rather surprised yeah. the Swedes there. I mean, is that a general thing that well it's just yeah. expected you can say what you I think, think. I mean I mean uh, even 
though I expressed, uh, you know, my, my own personal experience the way I did earlier on, I think it is a more general trait, yeah, to be wanting to ask questions, to ask why. We At least there are jokes about how Swedes always ask why, uh, as opposed to many other uh, cultures. Yeah, so I think there is a, a, maybe a more, uh, people are more prone to to ask questions. And certainly there, there's also this discussion around, you know, different age groups where younger kids, uh, you know, really ask why, uh, or, or you, you're, we're being too lenient, I guess, to our children, uh, or those that are parents today is the discussion that, that oh really well people think they're going too far oh, yeah okay. yeah yeah that you're involving the kids in all sorts of decisions and you know pa- the parents are sort of more friends to their ch- children than their yeah you know actually parenting yeah uh, yeah so I there think is, that's, yeah i'm aware of that in other places as well yeah you know, yeah I, yeah, yeah. it mm-hmm. may be a, a a global thing but, but we're, we might be coming between. from different levels uh, you know oh, yeah. to start with <laughs> So all that being said, um, I think, though, what we agreed when we we spoke before, um, Sweden isn't perfect. So there are nonetheless still occasions when psychological safety might be uh, an issue. I mean, just thinking about yourself and your own experience, I mean, let's start with you personally. Do you have examples of where you have been in a situation where you felt your personal uh, psychological safety was not as good as it could be, let's say? Yes, uh, I'd say yes to that. Um, and of course, <clears throat> you're completely right that, that you know, it may sound as, as we're much better off in Sweden in terms of psychological safety. Uh, I think maybe a bit, but there's definitely not, uh, you know, in, in all places and all situations uh, and always. So there's a lot of work to be done um, here as well. I actually think... Uh, this strengths that I that I alluded to served me well in many many years, but in some you know when I got further into my career, there were situations or there have been situations where this ability to or this being prone to ask questions have been seen as sort of worked against me because it could have been could be a boss from another country. Uh, there has been cases like that where. Or just a, a person could be a Swedish, you know, boss as well, but that didn't really appreciate all the questions or misunderstood them to be resistance in a change situations, for example, where I I have this driver in myself, but I also have learned uh, if you're going to be a, a leader in change, change leadership means that you have to be really authentic in terms of providing messages and that means to me that i have to sometimes ask questions in order to feel that i you know that i'm grounded and really understand the drivers and the thinking and and so that i can be able to provide the message uh, authentically even though i might not necessarily agree with the change so but sometimes that's a bit sometimes that's been misunderstood a bit do you have a specific example that you could share that illustrates that it's it's hard on that to be very specific. I, I think there was a situation in 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 leading the exit organization at uh, the company we worked mm-hmm. on. Yes, this the, is when a, a site yeah. was closed. Several sites, I think, were closing down, and you were you were helping people exit yeah. the organization. And in that situation, I I ran into that you know having having to work. Um, you know, towards a certain goal and to lead the, both lead the exit organization, but also create a good, good uh, situation for whomever was, uh, you know, 
taken on the work or, or you know, with the situation that was going to be when we all left because I was included in, in the people who were to leave. And in that situation, my uh, boss, who was American at the time, misunderstood some of the what, what I really felt was not resistance because it was pretty much a fait accompli uh, at the time. But I still needed to ask questions and that was seen to be yeah, it wasn't really appreciated uh, all through. So that took quite a bit of managing and, and continued dialogue and, and discussion. So did you too. did you actually point that out and say, did you say, look, yes. you know, I, yes. I, okay. I, I, I sort of identified the, the how it wasn't appreciated. Uh, and so I had that uh, conversation and tried to point out that it's, it's your misunderstanding. It's not, it's not at all resistance. It's, wanting to do the best i pointed out that that me and the group that i worked with that that he underestimated us and thought that we were resisting just being awkward and because you were angry and, and fed up was in fact you you had a genuine need for for yeah. information to help you through yes, the process yes. how did he react when you pointed that out well it it actually ended up quite well so he he i think he got it uh, i i, I you know, it's very vague now in my memory, but I, I remember that I was actually quite upset uh, and he he saw that. And, and I guess I I got through in terms of him believing that I was actually uh, genuine in, in my not wanting to act for my own specific good or, or so for the bigger picture. So even though you you were saying you know you you you're well versed and experienced in asking questions and finding out that information because of the circumstances, I mean, did it take a degree of courage on your part to actually challenge him? Then yes, I'd say yes. I mean, to to some extent, you could argue that you know I was already I already knew that I was losing my job. <laughs> So, so, right. So, to that nothing interest, to lose. Yeah. yeah. No, almost nothing to lose because I mean, you always want to leave with a good reputation, so to say. Uh, you never know, you know, where the where the next uh, opportunity comes. So you want to leave uh, in a good state. But um, but yes, I mean, one could argue that that I was a little less. I had a little less to lose than than you might in another situation. Well, well done for calling it out. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. It worked out well in the end. And maybe, maybe you even taught that person something as well along the line. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, maybe. And I think it's an interesting example because it proves that something that you consider and that may be a strength usually has another side. I mean, it may. Uh, there may be situations where it it's not a strength where you. Yeah. Yeah, where you yeah. where it works against you for for various reasons. So yeah, the interesting thing about that is, I mean, I do remember that that was that was a quality that you did have, Maya, along with a lot of your Swedish colleagues. I always remember though you as being very very diplomatic and tactful about it. I can think of one or two of your colleagues who were um, <laughs> a little bit more forthright in the way that they took these things on, and even Swedes found them a bit forthright. Yeah, absolutely, you weren't, you weren't like that. So. No, no. That's interesting. Yeah. Thank All you. right. And now, just thinking about you, you in terms of your leadership, I mean, you've got a, um, an extensive and, 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 and highly impressive leadership career. I mean, what about psychological safety as a topic f that you needed to address as a leader? Have there been situations where you've found it's become an issue and you've had to step in and, 
and do something. And, and again, if you have any examples you could share, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I have a couple of examples that I'd like to share. I think yeah, in the workplaces I've been, the culture culture has been very sort of academic, uh, with mostly very highly qualified people uh, and experts. And in those kind of environments, uh, I think there may be it may be true for many environments, but but in those environments, uh, there's always or often an informal leadership uh, forming and and status positions that you may may have developed, which aren't it isn't a formal uh, leadership or management, but um, informally those kind of leaders, because they are of course leaders and and uh, often sort of guiding they have guiding roles often and and those uh, de- can definitely impact on the psychological safety in various groups depending on their behavior in in interactions with colleagues so mm-hmm. we've had um, as as then a former leader or manager i i've found that you quite often run into having to sort of uh tidy up after <laughs> After some uh, interactions that didn't go well, where, you know, a very strong uh, and tough attitude from a senior expert um, giving their view on can be seen as very non-respectful or uh, or very condescending. Uh, so a more junior person who receives feedback in that way can be really, you know, hurting. So we're talking, as you said, here, people here have got high status, they've got a high standing in the, maybe in the scientific community. Not to put words in your mouth, but it sounds to me as though what you're describing is maybe flashes of arrogance when somebody in that status, you know, feels, feels how dare this minion challenge my, uh, my, yeah. my, my opinion. Yeah. You know, and putting aside the fact that quite often, of course, that happens when it turns out that that person has actually put their finger on a sensitive point, and that's, that's what's yeah. triggered yeah. the reaction. But yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of, of, of I, I get what you mean about the kind of response you can get. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you said that you'd had to do some tidying up around those kind of situations, which can happen in the spur of the moment. I mean, I assume that means you've then spoken to the expert about that or, or not? Yeah, and both to, uh, both to managers that are, I mean, these people have maybe, may not have me as a direct manager. They may have someone else. So you need to involve their managers, but then I usually have my own discussion with both uh, parties, if you will. I, unless, unless it's someone who really is, is known to have a you know, crappy behavior and being you know, generally arrogant, there's, there's, you know, there's a sender and a receiver. So you also need to encourage the junior person to say, because the example I'm, I, was, I was thinking of was more when someone comes with their report and when they get feedback on that, it's there's also an element of this this is my baby and someone is you know cr- critiquing my baby so so there may be you know from both sides a need to sort of uh, stand above so that, you yeah. you have to give the the the, the, the say, let's call them the junior person for the moment yeah some advice on a good way of of asking yeah. those kind of questions yes and and also and also dealing with uh, you know not not letting it go into their person rather look upon this as it's critique to the work not to to the person uh, and and the same sort of conversation with you know of course uh, trying to teach these senior uh, informal leaders as you say often scientifically sort of heavy 
heavyweight, and they need to know to understand their role and how their the way they express themselves impact. Sometimes it's also about in that group of people who are in the role of of actually critiquing or sort of uh, reviewing something that this most most senior person doesn't necessarily have to give their opinion first every time to you know let everyone speak before this this uh, guru uh, <laughs> expresses his or her view because then uh, no one else will you know if it's not a psychologically safe environment no one else will speak and if that's the case you have to work with the psychological safety in that group and and how do these experts react when you say to them, hmm, you know, maybe could have done that slightly better and given some advice and coaching? Yeah, it's very different. Some some understand it and and sort of may have heard it before. They you know it's not completely new to them. And then there are some that just does not see any fault in themselves. It's it's and it's usually just. That this person who needs to to take it to understand that we're here to do this to give our critique and to give our our advice. Some are more mm-hmm. more prone to to look in the mirror, and some are not. Mm. Um, just going back to the junior person, there, I mean, what do you say to them then? What, what general advice do you give them about how they should deal with situations like that that may occur? I think it differs from case to case. Sometimes I may have, you know, if I've read whatever this is, it's usually something in written that is, you know, critiqued in the case I'm thinking. Um, well, I may put my own opinion that, that, you know, I actually think this is, we don't need perfection in every aspect. And, and there are so many things that are good in this report. You know, tr- try to highlight that, you know, regardless of some things being addressed to, to try and look upon the, that has helped so, so i'm having that conversation you know you you need to look upon this as they're trying to help you we are going to address the how in that with these people you know so that they do it in a less confrontational way but you also need to try and see that this is you know for the better for the for the better of your work and it will most likely enhance your your work if you can sort of rise above this and take it and and yeah yeah i mean feedback is it's always tricky yes, you know? I, mean, yes. I mean people used to say oh, i love feedback I don't, you know what it's like actually i'm not sure everybody does love feedback uh, feedback can be very valuable mm-hmm. uh and and almost essential for for improvement but um it takes work to do it well both Absolutely. to give it but also to receive it. I mean, I know yes. that from my myself that uh, y- you know you you really have to take a breath and step back and then say, okay, is this valid? Is it worthwhile? Can I improve, or is it mm-hmm. something that, that that actually you know that I, I disagree with it? Yeah, and try and be dispassionate about that because yeah. there, there is a bit of a gut reaction of, <laughs> as yeah. you say, it's particularly when it's something you've put a lot of effort into and maybe are quite proud of, and yeah. suddenly somebody turns their nose about it. Yeah. And I think even worse is, at least as as uh, someone who's giving the feedback, I think the worst is not about what someone has done. It's when, you know, it's the behavior and, and sort of personality. When it goes into the person's being, 
that somehow, you know, when, when there are social interaction issues with some people that... that what do you mean by that? Go ahead. Um, people that, you know, the, the, these may not, not be the same people at all that are the senior ones that I talked about earlier, but, but rather, yeah, people that just does not function well with other people that are hard, you know, that people for some reason dislike to work with. And you're going to try and help them have a conversation with them to help them then uh, not have so much friction in, in all sorts of groups and interactions. You know, there are just people that are awkward or... Personality clashes. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and, okay. and, you know, if you have individuals that, that tend to always be in personality clashes, then, then you start to understand that there is an issue here. And as a manager, you have to to try and deal with that. And that's, that often goes into the personality rather than, you know, if you do, if you, if you just, it's not something you can send people to a course to fix or to training to fix. It's usually, it's it, that kind of feedback, I think is very difficult. All right, let's, let's, um, let's look at the more positive side of it. Uh, and you recognize uh, what psychological safety at work is about. Mm. And the, it's about creating the right environment where people f can be authentic, be themselves, yeah, say yeah. what they think, ask the questions. I, I mean, so have you ever been in situations where it was evident that the psychological safety environment was so good that it was that you could see the positive effect it had on individual or team performance? I would say yes, but but then it's hard to sort of separate out uh, psychological uh, safety as you know the uh, as the source of the great feeling that you've had. But definitely, I mean, yeah, those they're, they're, I've been working in teams and groups where you ha you just have that feeling that everyone is going in the same direction. We know each other reasonably well. You experience no competition within the group at all, where everyone is just moving in the same direction, working to the same goal, and it just feels like we all need each other, and it's great. So that's, I think, a wonderful feeling when you get to that. So your leadership team, you're saying you've got, you've got a good environment. I mean, why why is that? What has what has caused that? What's is that because of the leadership from the very top, from the director general? Is it other factors? What's what means that that team works as well as it does? Each individual, of course, plays a part in, in that. So I have a, I have, I'm lucky to have a team of good, good people. You know, I've been quite actively working on ensuring that that they know that, yeah, that are, that they are safe. <laughs> Basically, that that they can. You know, I appreciate them voicing their opinions. I appreciate uh, challenge. I appreciate you know them letting me know if there's something I do that I sh shouldn't do. It's really important for me uh, when I hire people and in my interactions with with um, everyone around me, actually, that uh, we can have healthy conversations that are truthful and, and you know, uh, genuine and honest, uh, even though they may not be, maybe, may include some negative uh, thoughts or, or uh, feedback yeah. or so. But, yeah, they might not be easy, but they're, but they're, they're open, honest and authentic, right? Now, you said that you, you all got given a copy of Amy Edmondson's book and obviously encouraged to read that. I, are there any other initiatives that, that are sort of rolled out? Is, 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 is psychological safety at work the subject of, of sort of training programs and the like that are rolled out? 
at at my in my current uh, organization, we we are obliged as a national authority to actively work with what is called the Public Service Ethos Foundation. Or the I mean, it's really from the government uh, about how what, but it's not been changing. When we change government, it's something that's been quite steady. So it's a fairly common ethical standard. Yeah, an eth yeah, yeah, ethical standard may be a better word. The six words that that are this foundation are democracy, legality, objectivity, free opinion formation, respect, and efficiency in service. So efficiency in service are two words, but they're <laughs> packed together. And and uh, this, of course, is I mean the thinking is that we. We have to, as, as uh, civil servants, have to keep this in our uh, in our minds all the time when we uh, work uh, with uh, our people uh, or our, in our interaction with the people. But it works equally well, actually, when we when we do work uh, with these these themes. We also use them in terms of how we interact with each other because they they are really, you know, they're very basic and but but very important so each one of them actually has you know quite a lot of meaning uh, but but so we use them and we work with uh, dilemmas then that often is sort of a work context dilemma which includes some yeah some some problems that you have to think about but it may also include aspects of how you relate to your colleagues so it could be, for example. So you get you you get specific training in in how to fulfil these. Yeah, these not, well, training. We we are. Uh, I mean, it's been a way of having an active dialogue with all, with all okay. our uh, employees to have monthly dilemmas. So there is a group who produces oh, dilemmas. Oh, so you paint a scenario and then yeah, you say, and, right, it's yeah. an exercise. And when you, do. you have that you. discussion, it's so easy to also uh, involve. The, the, and the dilemma sometimes involves, you know, where your colleague has done this and that and has this kind of approach and, you know, there's a situation and how do you deal with that? So you can, it, it's very easy to, to weave in the interaction between colleagues as well and what is the appropriate way of, so th that's been quite good actually and that's, uh, it, it works very well. All right. Well, thank you very much, Maya. D just to finish off, final words. Do you have any any tips that you could you want to pass on to people, maybe as individuals managing their own psychological safety or leaders? I, I picked three, and I think a very effective way. I think of achieving at least a better state of psychological safety is to be very generous in admitting own mistakes, your own mistakes. I mean, many of us, I think, walk around with a constant feeling of imperfection, hmm. uh, which means that it's very comforting to understand that uh, someone else, and certainly your leader or manager or boss, uh, also makes mistakes and forget things uh, or lacks knowledge. Yeah, and that it's safe to admit that because if if I do that, if I if I'm sort of generous in you know. Uh, giving away what I've missed or or, or forgot or, or something that I don't understand, then I think it's easier for others to pick that up. and, and Yeah, yeah, show uh, humility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the other thing, next one, is that, that when something does go wrong, to be, again, then open and generous about seeing that I, as a leader, may have a role in that that happened. I, it, of course, this has to be, you know, in 
in a genuine and, and uh, sort of reasonable way. You have there has to be some element of actually thinking that you may have a role. But I mean, as a leader, when an employee does something uh, wrong, quite often you can you can say things like, "Well, you know, this this didn't go well. You should have maybe done it this way instead." But I also see that I could have been more clear or I could have provided more support or whatever. I mean, there are often ways that you can, you can take a little bit, you can sort of offer your shoulder to take a little bit of the burden of this mistake. Uh, and I think that too uh, creates the sense that you, you're really backed up by your, your leader or your boss. Uh, it makes that person feel that, it, that, that there's a genuine desire to understand the situation and learn from it and rather than just point finger and and you know blame great thank you and number three number three is uh, i think i actually alluded to that a bit that i i always try to create a safety feeling in my direct reports by telling them that i i i won't be discussing their potential mistakes or weaknesses with others uh, without them knowing it or being aware that I see a problem. So in other words, mm. the ambition is to talk to each other rather than to talk about each other. I think and that's, you know, that's something I appreciate and always tell, tells my boss when they ask, what do I need from them? This, this is why, I, this is how I want to be treated. So. Yeah, I like that. That's a, I like that phrase. It's yeah. about talking to each other, not about each other. No, that's really good. That's really good. Great. Mm. Well, Thank you very much indeed. That's really enjoyable conversation and lots of lovely s stuff there. So, thank Maya you, Markland. Thank you very much. Thank you, Paul. It was great to, to be invited to the pod. <laughs> <laughs> A big thank you to Maya for her reflections and some excellent advice. So, are some countries and cultures more predisposed to make a better job of psychological safety at work than others? A sample size of one is never going to be enough to answer this question. But what I can say is that I certainly enjoyed working with my Swedish colleagues and I think their attitude towards psychological safety was one of the reasons I did. I'm Paul Gisby of Talking Leaders. We help leaders who want to get heard, be understood and to build trust. Goodbye. <laughs>